Bienvenidos a todos a Podcast Day DRW. Welcome everyone and thank you so much for tuning in to DRW. I am so excited to be here with two of my very close friends, some people that I've known for a very, very long time, Samuel and Mari Menezalo. How are y'all doing this morning? Hey Brendan, so good to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Yes, no, you're welcome. You. I'm uh, very excited about talking to you guys, and we were talking a little bit off mic um, just about how we got to know each other and um, how far we've gone back. I was talking to somebody the other day, and they mentioned something to me about you, and they were like, yeah, Samuel did this and Samuel did that. I was like, yeah, I've I've known him for a long time. (laughs) So I wanted to tell a little bit about how you came to America, and just some of your background, because I don't think a lot of people know how that all came about. Well, I'm from Bolivia, mm-hmm. and uh, after high school, my dad called me and said, Sam, you're going to go to United States, and you're going to go to study. And I said, I don't want to go to United States. <laughs> uh, and uh, can you imagine crazy me? Everybody wants to come to this wonderful country, and... And I said, no, Dad, I don't want to go to the United States. So he told me, you're going to go. So, well, we did the paperwork, and uh, we went to the embassy, and I was the only crazy person praying, please, I hope they don't give me the visa. (laughs) Can you imagine that? Everybody's praying. Everybody's uh, asking God for help. But whenever I went to the embassy, uh, I didn't want to come here. And I told the lady, she asked me, why do you want to go to the United States? I don't want to go to the United States. My dad wants me to go to the United States. So, and she was like, excuse me? So she grabbed my passport, went in the back, came back, and she gave me an uh, open visa. Uh-huh. And student visa. <clears throat> student visa. Yeah. <clears throat> as long as I study, that visa will not expire. And I was so upset. You know, <laughs> says, oh my goodness, she gave me the visa. And... Um, the thing is, whenever I land to Houston, my mind changed. It yeah. was like, wow, what a great opportunity that I have. And I cannot go back to Bolivia being the same person. Right. So I came here and I said, I need to learn English. I need to have friends that speak English. I have my, my entire life needs to, to change. So that's how I came to Royalwood. Yeah. I was 17 years old. I came to Royalwood. I didn't speak one word I in remember. Spanish. You I remember. remember. <laughs> you, you know, I was like, <laughs> and the culture is so different because everybody thinks you speak Spanish, so everybody's from Mexico. Right. So even whenever we went to eat, it was like, do you want fajitas? Do you want tacos? We yeah. don't have tacos in Bolivia, <laughs> you know, or fajitas. The tacos right. is like the shoes, the lady shoes. <laughs> so that whenever they asked me, do you want tacos? I was no, thank you. I want meat. <laughs> so, so, you know, I remember your family coming and visiting way before you came, mm-hmm. but I don't think you ever came with them. No, it was my first time. Yeah, so always before, I think it was maybe your sisters that came Correct. with your family, and mm-hmm. so I had known your family through th- those visitations and your sisters, but had never met you until you decided to come over at 17 years old. Yeah. And it's funny that you say that about the words being different because I know and we've had this discussion how many times that has almost got you in trouble (laughs) because words in Bolivia are not the same you know in Spanish as they are 
you know, with Mexican words or maybe words from Spain, which is why I'm always so scared about speaking <laughs> Spanish. I'm like, I'm going to end up saying something that's going to offend somebody, right? Oh, yeah. So that had to be quite a change, even with Spanish. Definitely. You have to learn, you know, the Spanish, the Mexican, the you know, and, and I love the people from Mexico. You know, they teach me so much. Yeah. It's like, okay, this is what you need to say. Oh, okay, we don't say that in Bolivia. <laughs> right. So I have to learn English and Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I remember those days when you literally first came and, uh, you know, I mean, you were a lot smaller. Your hair was a lot bigger. Um, so somehow, that, so somehow, somehow that switched around. How did that happen? You know, the tacos and the enchiladas and all the wonderful Mexican food. Well, and then when you're happy with Madi, that makes a big difference too. Definitely, right? right? Definitely. Good answer. So yeah, yeah. Uh, he just scored some brownie points exactly. there, by the way. Um, but no, I remember those early days. And so the first thing that you did when you came here is you started Bible college, right? I went to Texas Bible College. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, how long were you there? Uh, I graduated from Texas Bible College. Okay. And after Texas Bible College, I went to do my bachelor's degree in psychology at the University of Louisiana. Okay. But this is the thing. I was not good in math, so I need help in math. So I asked around who can help me with my, you know, with tutorials, mm -hmm. and everybody says, you need to talk to this young lady. She's very smart. She will help you. Mm -hmm. So I went and talked to this young lady, and it was here in the church. Yeah. And I said, hey, how you doing? My name is Sam, and do you think you can help me with my math homework? And she turned around, and she says, I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> oh, my gosh. He tells it like that. <laughs> I did not sound like that. Oh, it was muddy. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, well, you know, two plus two is four here in the United States, Bolivia, China, everywhere. So do you, you think you can help me? So I have to, you know, please help he me. He twisted my arm. <laughs> <laughs> and um, God works in mysterious ways, oh, yeah. right? And every <laughs> afternoon I went and uh, she was helping me with math. And you know what, Brandon? It was a miracle because... I started liking math a lot. Yeah, I you bet know? you did. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and we date for three months with a translator. Oh, my goodness. Because I don't know if you knew, but I didn't speak Spanish. I mean, well, I didn't speak any Spanish until I met him. So so that that brings us back to kind of, I mean, I know you came to Royal when, when you were around 12 years old, right? Uh, yes, I was 12. Correct. Okay, so that was, you didn't meet Samuel. You guys are the yeah, same age or y'all? No, I, well, I was 15 when we met, when he first came, because he was 17 and we're two years apart. So Okay. So we, and we were attending Royal Wood at that time. Yeah. So. I mean, I, I don't remember, because I know your mom and dad both speak Spanish, but, you know, as typical of kids growing up in America, they don't always learn Spanish. Right, right. Well, you know, my mom... My dad was uh, born in in Monterey near Monterey, Mexico, but he came when he was just a few months old to the mm -hmm. United States. And at that time, the border was just open where you could just walk across, you know, so they had a house in in Mexico, a house in the United States, and it was no big deal just to come across. It was very safe. So my parent, so my mom, though, she's uh, 
fifth generation Texan, like native Texan. Yeah. From uh, from a tribe, actually, she's Native American. So from a tribe, you know, called the Guahuilteco tribe. So I did not even know that. Yeah. I've known so your we parents didn't really speak. My yeah. mom does. You know, I speak more Spanish than she does. My dad spoke more Spanish. She doesn't speak. You know, like like full full fluent like we did but that was because everybody growing up it was like you know well we're here we need to learn the english you know right so so um so my parents never spoke to us in spanish because we were in houston we were all born here in houston you know and so it was just like there was no need you know for spanish and we attended a small but when i was younger a small uh english church uh, in a uh, suburban area here outside of houston so there was no need to you know to there was right. nobody span Hispanic around either. So well, and you know, back then, I mean, because I've lived in Houston since I was three years old, so I've been here thirty six years now. Mm. But I can even remember how much Houston has changed in that span of time. I mean, now Spanish is is you know widely heard. I mean, normal. It's normal for yeah. people to speak Spanish. I mean, Americans, everybody to speak Spanish because you almost need it now. Um, but I do remember the time that there wasn't as many Spanish speakers, that we weren't the div- diverse city that we are now. And uh, so that doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, I, I had kids that I went to school with. I don't remember anybody speaking Spanish, mm-hmm. you know, when I was growing up. They didn't offer Spanish in school. Yeah. Now, elementary schools, that's one of the main things they teach is Spanish, yeah. um, which I think is great mm-hmm. because... I think there's a lot of things, and I've talked about this in, po- in past podcasts, I think there's a lot that we can learn from being around other cultures. And one of the things that I mentioned is, one of the things that I've always loved about the Hispanic culture, and it, it, it's crazy too, because I've always been drawn to Hispanic culture. Um, when I was a little bitty kid, I would act like I spoke in Spanish, <laughs> just because I, I, I liked it. And I remember that one time I called my grandmother on the phone and I sang to her in Spanish, quote unquote, <laughs> and she cried on the phone because she thought I was really speaking Spanish <laughs> and, and, I, and I wasn't, but I did it so well that I even repeated like the same phrases and stuff <laughs> like that. So I've always kind of been drawn to Spanish culture. And um, that was one of the reasons why when you came, Samuel, you know, me and you became friends at that time and honestly spent quite a bit of time together. I remember we played yeah. basketball together. You know, every Sunday we would go eat at Grandy's, yes. you know, which oh was Grandies. right right down the road. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't know if you remember, you gave me a guest watch. I remember a that. beautiful guest for watch for my birthday. Or, yeah. And until this day, and I think I sent you a couple of weeks ago, uh, Took a picture. You did. And I sent that picture to you because that was my first expensive watch that I ever have. You know, guess. It was like, oh, my goodness. So very good friends. Yeah, I, re- I remember that. And, uh, you know, that was one of the reasons why, and, and I don't want to jump ahead of this, but, you know, when the Spanish church was here on campus, mm-hmm. it was such an amazing thing because um, I just felt like we got to grow in that together and and we'll talk more about that here in a little bit but i do remember those early days <laughs> and uh we had a, we had a lot of fun back then for sure Definitely. and and i do remember you talking to this tutor <laughs> and uh so so tell us a little bit more of how that continued because obviously 
she's still tutoring you today probably ex- ex- yeah <laughs> now i have my phd in math <laughs> he's still learning well we dated for three months without with a translator actually because i was very limited in my spanish and he didn't speak any english so i was just like we need somebody to be able to help us because we did have a few times where we had a few language uh, <laughs> barriers <laughs> and uh, <laughs> a few, you know, interesting experiences with it. So it was, um, you know, but we, after about three months, we learned that um, that the the translator knew a little bit too much, and we really well didn't every know. time, every well, time. and that the language of love <laughs> exactly. will always prevail. <laughs> exactly, and and I said, you know what, I need to learn English. So I took classes at Rice University, mm-hmm. and I learned English in three months. And my goal, it was like, I need to talk. I need to be able to communicate with this young lady. Yeah. And uh, it was not too much about college. It was more, I need to communicate with her. Yeah. I'm making yeah. way too many mistakes. And I went and bought it. Um, I don't know if you remember, a precious moment, little gift. Yeah. And it was in Spanish. And it says, te quiero. Uh-huh. So I was like, okay, how am I going to tell her te quiero? Because in, in, in English, you don't have the word te quiero. You just have, I love you. But she's my girlfriend, you know, that's not the I love you yet. <clears throat> it is between. So in that time, we didn't have Google, you know, where you can Google. Right, right. I have to no go to the, exactly. So I have to go to those big dictionaries and find the word te quiero. Well, if you, if you look, the, the literal, literally translation is I want you. Yeah. So yeah. I said, man, I'm ready. <laughs> this is my second or third day with her. I'm going to give her this precious moment. I go and I said, I want you. She looks at me, <laughs> turns around, and she leaves. And I'm like, what? What happened? He just thought I was very ungrateful, you know, and yeah. I was snobby. And I yeah. was like, oh, my God, what kind of preacher's kid is this? I mean, what are they teaching these kids? Well, <laughs> and, and that was probably a really good lesson for you to learn that the direct translation for things is not, not always, always the correct <laughs> translation exactly. for things. Oh. I didn't talk to him for days after that, and I told my mom, I don't want to answer if he calls. Just tell him I'm not home. Just tell him I'm not home. I think he had to actually ask somebody. I don't know who you asked, your aunt or someone. I think I asked like, my aunt. I said, you know these, what? These Bolivians. Uh, no. <laughs> and I was thinking this, white people are so rude. <laughs> you know, That's I give rude. them a, a gift and what's going on? But I learned that, you know, it was the wrong translation. And uh, She said, call her right now. If they don't answer, I'll talk to her mom because that was a mistake. You know, that's not that's not the yeah. way you say it or whatever, you know. So we were just like. And well, that was I, Maria, right? You're talking about Maria. Yeah. Yes, his mm-hmm. Aunt Maria. And so we we got it all ironed out and figured out everything. And so. <laughs> but I think I, I look and I tell my students and uh, I tell everybody that's the beauty of this country, the diversity. Mm-hmm. You know, you learn so much. Houston, one of the most diverse cities in the in the United States. Yeah. University of Houston is the most diverse university in the United States. I think they speak 120 languages. That's unbelievable. So um, I'm so glad that I came here, I learned the language, and I think everybody that comes to this country, they need to, we need to learn English. You yeah. know, we're, we're so blessed. And, uh, and that's how... You so know, I learned Spanish. He learned English. <laughs> so we and now our kids are bilingual. Daniel yeah. and David, yeah. they speak fluent Spanish, and they speak fluent English. Well, and, and, and let me say this. I have always been inspired by your work ethic. I mean, you know, you're talking about you come from another country, didn't really know anybody here. 
what was that like? I mean, because at 17 years old, I'm thinking back to when I was 17 years old, and if I went to another country where I knew no one, what I would feel like. That had to be tough. That that had to be hard. There had to be moments where you felt lonely. Yeah. I mean, where you felt, you know, disconnected. Um, well, it was very hard because my dad, we were very blessed in Bolivia. Mm-hmm. You know, we had people working at our house. Um, my dad had an excellent job in Bolivia. So that's why I didn't want to come here. I always went to private schools in Bolivia. And from one day to another, to come to the United States. Now you're going to wash your clothes. So I put my towel with my white shirt. Yeah. You know, I, it, it was so hard. So my first, I can say maybe, maybe the first two years, I was living in the dorms in college. It was the worst thing ever because I feel lonely. Mm-hmm. I didn't speak the language. My roommates, they didn't speak Spanish. Nobody speaks Spanish. And those dorms <clears throat> were not nice. And it was so cold. It was so cold. So cold. Now, I'm not used to, you know, I'm coming from Bolivia and, and it was like well, 60 degrees. Well, and you degrees. weighed about 60 pounds. Exactly. Soaking wet. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it was very, very hard. Yeah. I work, my first job, it was carpet cleaning. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, with Juan, right? Uh, with Brother Delano. No. Oh, okay. No. Yeah, okay. Tim, yeah Delano. Tim Delano. Yeah. He was my first boss, you know, and mm-hmm. we worked like from 7 to 7 in hot, and it was so hard being somebody in Bolivia that everybody, you know, if I want breakfast, if I want, you know, we have a lady in our, in our house to cook, to wash, you know, we were very blessed. My parents did an excellent job, and now I come to the United States, and it's like, now you have to work you have to pay for your college. You have to pay for your gas. I remember those times Whoppers were 99 cents. Yeah, so that's that a was a long time ago. Th- exactly. That was my water with Whoppers. It yeah. was my best <laughs> breakfast and lunch and dinner. <laughs> that's where I look like a Whopper now. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I mean, that had to be so not only are you getting a culture shock, but you're also getting the shock of basically being thrown into just a completely new environment, having to fend for yourself all of a sudden, uh, nobody knowing who you are because you had to be used to, oh, you know, my dad is pastor here and people recognize me as mm-hmm. such. And that just had to be tough. It had to be tough. It was very hard. So you were at TBC for Texas Bible College mm-hmm. for three years. Yeah. And you graduated. And then from there... I went to University of Louisiana, okay. and I did my bachelor's degree in psychology, clinical psychology. Okay. Then I did my master's degree in clinical psychology, and also I have another master's degree in education uh-huh. from University of uh, Florida. So it was very hard, but, you know, I'm blessed for my education. Yeah. Uh, that's the American dream. You come and you have so many opportunities, and I think education is the key. You know, it opens so many doors, and um, and I'm blessed to live in this wonderful country. Well, I again going back to I've always been inspired by your work ethic because even when I look at the things that you're doing now, I'm like, how does how do you guys do that? I'm like, how are y'all doing all the stuff that you're doing? And you know what is not mentioned is during that same time that you were doing that you decided we're going to start a Spanish church here. Now, how long were you here before your parents decided to come to America also and your family? 
Well, we had been already, we'd started the Spanish church. But do you know how do we start the Spanish church? And I don't even think your dad. I don't think he knows. Your, even your dad I, I mean, knows. I, your dad says, Sam, we're going to, I would like to have a Spanish service uh, for Pentecostal Sunday. Yes. And uh, we practice, we put the chairs, we did everything. Sunday morning, 9 o'clock, I go to your dad's offices. Everything is ready. What time is the preacher coming? I thought that your dad invites somebody so we can have a Spanish church. And your dad is like, what? We don't have any anybody coming. You're going to preach. You're, You're going to start. I was like, and, and I was 17 years old or maybe 18. It was like, what? No. It was like, yeah, yeah, you go to the Gloria Dios. You know, you dad, arribamiento. <laughs> he used the three Spanish words that he knew. Gloria Dios, arribamiento, and no telling what else. Cerveza. <laughs> yeah. La cuenta. That's La the cuenta. other thing he knows. Sí. Yeah. And um, we were like, so we start, I think we have eight, you know, eight people. Uh, I think there were 12 that morning. Oh, 12, and it was awesome. The Spirit of the Lord, and it was Pentecostal Sunday. Yeah. And the Lord moved, and after the service, it was like, can we have next Sunday? So I asked Brother Macy, says, Pastor, can we have next? Sure, yeah, that's why we have all this. So m- the next Sunday, it was beautiful, and and now it's history, you know? The church was growing. I was still in college. Yeah. So... The we people did that for about a year. Yeah. Well, and yeah, I remember that was in a side fellowship hall yeah. at the time. So I do remember that. I think right probably, was the coffee shop. Yeah. In the, in the church. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember probably Hector was playing the guitar, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. And and just a couple of people back then, mm-hmm. very very small. Yeah. And then Sister Jean Salazar. Ginger and yeah, Salazar Escobar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. she was there, and um, it was just a handful of people. Oh yeah, yeah. But then that grew to the point. By the time the year ended and his parents came, we had about sixty people there. Yeah, roughly with and the kids, we had about sixty, and we were like so fifty in kids shock. and ten adults. <laughs> exactly. You know how it goes with the half them children. <laughs> Our children's church services were huge. Yeah. I mean, they were huge, but we would take the van and go pick up kids in this neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember, we'd, yeah. go, we'd go pick them up in the neighborhood. And the first children's church we had, because it was me and Maria, his aunt Maria. Yeah. And we did that children's church, and we, we had about 50 kids that morning, and we were just like in shock because we were like, wow. I mean, this is like a whole church, and it was just children. Yeah. It was just children. And, you know, back then it was like, I'm. Um, you know, I did the music, the Sunday school. You know, we did everything. The funny thing is that we were just dating. So everybody was, you know, some of those new people, they'd come in and they'd be like, Pastor, Pastor, Pastor. And then they looked at me like, we don't really know what to call you because you're not the pastor's wife. <laughs> well, and I remember at that time, you were kind of thrown into doing a lot of stuff too because yeah. you sang at that time, Audie. I know you played a little, right? Right, right. But then you I was were just learning. Yeah. yeah, but you were kind of thrown into it too. And uh, I mean, both of you guys were really kind of just thrown into it. <laughs> we and, looked at each other like, well, we got to do this. Let's do it. Let's yeah. do it. We're ready, you know? Yeah. So. Well, and I, I told in a podcast too, that's how I learned how to play the drums is <laughs> the drummer didn't show up. And so my mom was like, Okay, well, you're playing. And I'm like, I am? I, I don't really know how to play. So that's really the best way to be introduced to ministry, right? It's just be thrown <laughs> yeah, like, into it and you just got to go do it. So 
once that grew, how long until your parents and your family came? Because I know that my dad worked with your family Mm -hmm. to try to get them here. I remember that. Paperwork and attorneys and all of that stuff. It was so hard. And uh, the thing is, I didn't finish. Well, we did the Spanish church. I was going to college. So my goal is, I came here. I need to finish college. I need Mm -hmm. to finish. So I called my dad and um, I said, what? I need help. And my dad and my mom tried to come here. Uh, Pastor Macy helped so much to do all the legal stuff with the visas and all the, you know, there's so many paperwork, the oh, lawyers. so much. And um, finally they came, they took over the church, and my goodness, they helped, and they did such such amazing job. And uh, the church grew, and we moved to another building, which now is Mundo Pentecostal. Well, and before that, you were on campus here. Yeah, it was. We, most, mo- we moved we into another one. building. Correct. And oh, then you right. guys, you guys took over the building the that sanctuary. we were in. Correct. And I remember watching that grow and going over there because we would have service at the same time, which I missed. I missed that. Like it was so, it was so yeah. awesome having that all on the same grounds. And if you remember, once a month, the last month, the last Jubilee. Sunday, we would do combi- a combination. Six. Yes. Yeah. I think we called it Jubilee services, yeah. you know, and yeah. we would sing. Loved it. <laughs> it was and, fun. And, and if you'll remember, at that time, my dad would get up and he would say, this whole section yes. is going to be full yeah. of Hispanic people yes. and people who speak Spanish. And it way surpassed that. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, you yeah. guys filled up that entire sanctuary and then had to move. You were trying to find a closer location where we could still be in the same area, and ended up in, in Pasadena. Yeah. Beautiful building in Pasadena. We, we were not looking in Pasadena because that's another city. We were trying to find somewhere close to the church, but the, God opened some doors, and now there's a beautiful, beautiful building, so many Sunday schools. The church now is about 500 people, mm-hmm. and, uh, and it's growing, and uh, God is doing wonderful, wonderful things. Well, and I had the, I mean, privilege to actually attend mm-hmm. Mundo Pentecostal for almost two years. Yeah. A year and a half, oh, yeah. uh, almost two years I was there. And uh, at, a, at a very good time in my life where I needed to go somewhere and to find healing in my own life. And, I mean, it was, it was, it was like being at home. Mm-hmm. in spanish yeah. <laughs> right because i mean obviously you guys made me feel so at home when i was there and uh, i remember one of the sundays i was there was my birthday mm-hmm. and so your mom and dad uh your mom got up there which she even when i see her today she's gonna come up to me and go my son you know, <laughs> every every time <clears throat> and we always felt like that with your family yeah. with you guys mm-hmm. like we were just one big family and um, they were they treated me so special when I was there, and to see like the growth of the church there, and to see everything that had happened there was just you know it, it was it was awesome to see that, and to get, and to get to see a lot of people that was once were once on campus here that were still attending church there after all these years, 
and all that stuff. And I know that that church is still oh yeah, just wonderful church, growing, My dad thriving, is doing an excellent job, and we love Mundo Pentecostal. Well, I mean, it's it's a part of you. You mm-hmm. know, you guys were there for so long, and you know, going back to your work ethic. I know I've said this so many times, but to do everything that you've done with your education. And I see this in David and Daniel, your your sons. I mean, you know, two really great young men, and that is obviously a testament to the both of you, the way that you have raised them, the way that they've seen you work hard, and I don't know how you do it all. (laughs) I really don't. I I see, you know, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this, but I see everything that you guys are doing with Restaurando Familias Mm -hmm. and all the other stuff that you're doing, and it's, it's just amazing. And and I know that the best is yet to come. Definitely. As well. I think personally in my in my life is whenever I came here to the United States, you have so many opportunities. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we live in the best country in the world. Mm-hmm. I love my country. I've been in 37 countries wow. from South America, Central America, Europe, in beautiful countries. But every time... That I came back to Houston, I say, God bless this country. And that's why I think I've been doing so many things because whenever I go and see other countries, they will love to be here. People like they see United States. You know, you have so many opportunities in this country. So that's why I think God opened so many doors. Well, <clears throat> you know, talking about opportunity, I think that that opportunity is there for all of us. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't seize that opportunity. And and me and my dad were talking about this recently with the things of God. But I think so many times people do not claim the th- promises that God has made for us. Um, you know, you'll hear a sermon and in, in, in preaching about, hey, this is yours to grab and this is yours to have for free. But people don't want to take that. They don't want to reach out and grab that. They don't want to seize that opportunity. Mm -hmm. You saw the opportunity, and you said, I'm going to get everything that I can out of it. Mm -hmm. That opportunity is here for everybody. And one of the things that I've learned in my travels, because I've gone to Central America several times, Honduras, El Salvador, Panama, and Mexico, and when I've gone there, I'll come back and go, what are we doing? Here are people right. that are happy to make $40 a month. Mm-hmm. Right. And I know people that make $40 an hour, <laughs> you know, attorneys that are making 200 and something dollars an hour. And yet we're whining and complaining oh, yeah. about what we have. <clears throat> and you see those people coming to church and the best thing that they own, oh, yeah. which would be probably some of our worst clothing exactly kneeling down in the dirt Mm -hmm. you know walking miles and miles and miles just to attend a service that's in a building that looks like it could fall down in any moment with a string going through the middle with five light bulbs on it yeah you know 16 guitars none of them in tune you know, yeah. everybody just singing as loud as they can mm. and jumping the whole time. And the only thing that you can hope is that that fan will hit you every once in a while <laughs> and you get a little bit of air yeah. because that's about the only AC Definitely. that you have anywhere. And 
we we tend to be very spoiled mm. as Americans and and you know getting out and seeing that and seeing these other countries really brings that to light and like you said you come back and go I'm blessed to oh, be here we're blessed I, and I think a lot of it which is something that we have tried and uh, to teach our children is gratitude and appreciation mm-hmm. um, we teach people to be grateful to God for his blessings and we teach them to appreciate what they have and what he has given them because we don't obtain these things on our own God is the one who gives it to us but, you know, when you do go to those countries, you know, we, we send the kids to Bolivia every summer because we want them to go. We want them to their their minds to be open and for them to see so that when they come back, they're like, thank you, Jesus, for Wi-Fi, you know, because they're yeah. like, yeah, yeah. It's just something where it's like, hey, you know, you not everyone lives the life that you live and not everyone has the opportunities that you have. Mm-hmm. So while you're here, like you say, seize the opportunity. But I feel like they don't seize them because they don't value or appreciate what Agreed. they do have or or, you know, or in in anything, just thanking God for what they do have and just being appreciative of what they have, you know, which is something that that we have really wanted to to teach our kids. And I think that plays a lot into, you know, the story of an immigrant is coming here and being like, you know, appreciative and being and being grateful for the opportunity, being present, you know, because it's like, wow. And I think sometimes if we don't teach our kids, they don't see the opportunity right in front of them. They don't yes. seize the opportunity because they can't even see it, you know, because it's something that really we should, we've tried to teach them to be grateful because we know where, what it's like to come from something that's, you know, that's the, him obviously more than me, but something that's obviously very difficult and not unattainable, but it's something that it's, it's gonna, it takes a lot of work to, to get. But at the same time, for everybody who is listening, uh, it doesn't matter how far you get in life. Don't ever forget where you're coming from. I agree. I think that's the key. I agree. God will open so many doors, but don't ever forget your background, your family, the roots that you come. And uh, I think that's one of the main things that I always tell my students, I always tell people, uh, God will open the doors, but don't forget where you're coming from. I just watched a clip yesterday of uh, of a very well-known actor, and he was in an interview, and the person in the interview with him actually made fun of his shoes, and uh, he's well-dressed up top except for his shoes, and she goes, what is the deal with your shoes? She's like, I see that they have tape on them, like they're beat up, they're obviously old, and he said, well, the story about my shoes is, these shoes have been passed down to me. They were my dad's shoes, and they were actually his dad's shoes before that. And he was like, the reason I wear these shoes to interviews or to anything that is, you know, where I'm being honored or anything like that is because I can look down and see those shoes and see that I'm well-grounded and remember where I came from. And I think that can be the problem, too. We forget the things that God has done in our lives. Mm-hmm. We forget, you know, where we came from. I mean, you know, in one of the podcasts, I talked about how when my parents first came here, we lived in a one-bedroom apartment. We had no furniture, and somebody from the church had to lend us a mattress. Mm-hmm. Okay, they they let us borrow a mattress that was on the floor, and we took a couple of metal chairs from the building to sit on because wow. that's all we had. But a lot of times people look at your success today and they go, oh, well, that was just, that happened overnight. Mm. 
It never happens overnight. Mm -hmm. There's always a story. There's always a place that it's come from. And I think that's a good place for us to stop today. I want, uh, we're going to do a part two for this podcast because I want to talk about the things that you guys are doing now Mm -hmm. and some of the, I mean, tremendous things that are happening with Restaurando Familias. Samuel, what you've done uh, with the school um, with uh, which is uh, Houston Houston Christian Academy Houston Christian High School Houston Christian High School <clears throat> and talk about that but again there's always a place that we come from mm-hmm. and in order to be grateful we got to remember where we came from so thank you guys so much for being here today thank I appreciate it we're going to get into some more stuff on our next podcast so if you're listening to this make sure that you tune in um, next week at the same time 7 a.m. every Tuesday And thank you for tuning in to the RW.